0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of The Wanderings Podcast. I am your host Pedro Bonato, a photographer and musician that creates artworks inspired by history, mythology and cultures from around the world. My goal with this show is to share the creativity of the people that have inspired my own journey and how they were able to bring their vision to life at the intersection of art, science and business. Before we begin today's show, I have a couple of announcements to make. The first is that I decided to, so to speak, put my hat in the ring and start my first crowdfunding project on Patreon and Subscribestar. In case you don't know, these are platforms where you can become patron of the arts and support the creation of artworks. The project I created is called The Postcard Club where you'll have a chance to support directly the creation of all my projects in photography, video, this podcast, and music. As a thank you for your support, every month, wherever you are on the planet, you'll receive a handmade signed postcard featuring one of my photographs, along with discounts on limited edition prints, posters, and early access to new works before they are released to the public. You can check out The Postcard Club at pedrobonato.com club, and I hope you consider supporting this show and sharing a little bit more of this journey with me. The second project that I'm announcing is a new video series, a show, on YouTube called The DNA of Music. In this show, we'll have interviews and solo performances with musicians from a variety of cultures from around the world. In this series, I'll take you on a personal journey in the world of music from small villages in Ukraine to the vast deserts of the Near East, exploring the connections between traditions of our planet and trying to find the common themes in our myths, our stories, in our music. So in today's show, you will hear the first episode of The DNA of Music, featuring a conversation with my good friend, Maddie Palamon. Matti is a musician and an instrument maker and we explore the ancient beautiful music of Finland and how Matti explored his roots in the music of that country and how his adventures combining elements from different traditions took him to the music that he's creating today. At the end of the interview you'll hear an original composition from Matti that is inspired by Scandinavian music and all his explorations in world music, and I hope you'll enjoy it and take a look. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Maddie Palaman. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first of all, um, tell us a little bit about um, yourself and the stuff that you like, how you started with music, like, do a little intro of what Maddie is all about. <laughs>
1: Sure. Okay. So uh, I moved to Toronto about 10 years ago uh, to be an environmental consultant. Uh, and quite shortly after I moved here, I joined a band called Toronton Pallimannit, and that is a, uh, a Finnish folk dance band that plays a lot of, uh, you know, kind of traditional stuff like Polskas and Mazurkas and Shatish and then on up to more modern 20th century dances like tango and foxtrot. Uh so we would always uh, go to these Finnish festivals every summer. And uh, so when I was in Su- or Thunder Bay one year, uh, I came across a fellow who was selling the cantola. I'd kind of been a bit familiar with it. Uh, this was maybe about 2012. Uh, familiar with the instrument, but never really seen or played it. And um, so at that festival, then I... I got a chance to really kind of to sit and play with one, and uh, and then so I ordered one from him, but then he became ill, and so uh, I decided. Well, I guess the only way to to get an instrument is to figure out how to build one myself. So, having access at work to you know CAD and and you know math programs, I was able to figure out the the Physics behind, behind all of these string tensions and everything, and uh, and you know the mm-hmm. what it takes to to build the instrument itself, and uh, so after a couple of prototypes, well, I guess this was my latest
0: prototype, but it still works. So. I still well, oh, huh. so let's uh, talk a little bit about that. Then, so um, this uh, is a traditional Finnish Finnish instrument, or like yeah, a... um, I mean, it kind
1: of depends who you ask, of course, but of course. Uh, but you know, the the Finnish scholars will tell you that it's sort of conservatively conservatively 2,000 years old, or perhaps 3,000 years old. Um, it's sort of in the family of Baltic psaltery, so it would occur, you know, from Finland and Russia down in through Estonia and uh, Latvia and Lithuania, a little bit in Ukraine as well. Uh, but you know, I've also kind of heard that it originated in in Finland. Um, you know, based on whatever archaeological evidence that people have pulled up. Uh, so yes, the instrument itself uh, originally would have been two thousand years ago, five strings, mm-hmm. and uh, and associated with uh, with traditional what what would have been poems or runos back before. There was a distinction between poetry and music. Um, it would have just been the the oral tradition passed down through generations using the the techniques of of song and uh, you know all of the things that you would expect in any traditional uh, uh, oral history tradition, like the you know the rhyme schemes and crazy time signatures and stuff like that that all aid memory in in passing down passing down traditions um so what's interesting about the five string uh is that that you you get the field collected uh runo melodies are also generally five a five note range as well Mm. so that's why we we believe that the the two the instrument and the poetry were intertwined for for thousands of years Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah so and then of course um you know then of course when you get into the say 1700s you get uh, other traditions coming up from from you know say poland and sweden uh where you know you get different dances coming in and different songs coming in and then so at that time then the instrument started to you know, evolve with the repertoire and with the other, to, to keep up with the other instruments that were coming in, like the violin and the accordion. Um, and so eventually, you know, the, the 19th century uh, instruments are bigger like this uh, and, and even maybe even bigger still. And then finally, about a hundred years ago, they invented a... Uh, a giant thirty-six string sort of no. concert instrument that is really a, a, a different instrument, even entirely. Uh, so this would be more in the family of the folk, uh, folk mm-hmm.
2: Um
0: And so you made it um, like this gentleman that I mentioned. He like he passed away, so you couldn't like get an instrument from him, and then you decided to make it like from scratch, your own.
1: Yeah. So you know, I just kind of did. Uh, a bunch of experiments with, uh, mm-hmm. with various, you know, chunks of wood that I found mm-hmm. on job sites or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually evolving to the point where I purchased a bunch of uh, piano wire and uh, and now uh, traditionally in, in Finland, of course, the instrument or the, the the older instrument would have been made of one piece of wood and typically birch because not because it's magical or anything, but because it's birch is crummy firewood. It's crummy building material. It's uh, you know, so therefore it uh, you know it was a, a suitable wood to to build instruments with because it wasn't really used for it much else. Um, and so I've made a, quite a number of instruments since then, and all with uh, birch uh, birch soundboards. But this one is actually. Uh, Spanish cedar, which is a related species, but, hmm. um, and then of course the the rest of the body is maple, uh, because it's quite resonant and structurally sound.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, and you mentioned because that's one thing that I know about you that is very interesting. You're sort of even in the joke, you was sort of like the Iron Man of world music, because you make all this cool instruments. So, uh, like. Where did that interest come from of being like a lotier of like making instruments or how, how did that start?
1: Uh, well, you know, my father, uh, always did woodworking. And so we have, um, they currently live on Manchulon Island. And, uh, so when I was growing up spending summers there, you know, uh, the idea of a vacation is kind of, uh, a strange thing to me because we would go up, you know, May 2, for a weekend, we'd go up and plant a thousand trees. And, and in the summer, we would, like, build a sauna, build a woodshed, build, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, and and so there was always, you know, woodworking and carpentry uh, in my childhood. So that, I think, is uh, it, kind of where
0: where, where I started. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, in a lot of um, special, I was thinking, like in like, painting or even music, like, earlier, it was you had to make your own instrument right and uh, yeah, yeah and now we're just to go buy it and you don't have that uh, hands on like relationship to it that's why i was asking so how does that like uh, influence your, your like your work with the instrument because you know that like you're like working on the wood there's even a nice little like uh, carved detail and all those things like uh, how does that influence your relationship to to the instrument
1: um well i let's see Uh, I kind of I'm not afraid to you know lug it anywhere (laughs) Uh, I you know at one point I dropped it and one of the struts fell out and so now it's kind of warped Uh, but you know part of me says oh I should take it apart and, and fix it and part of me says what's the point I should just make a new one so it's kind of like like it, just kind of knowing that my intention is to make a. In fact, this uh, instrument is fifteen strings, and so my intention is to make an eighteen string. Hmm. You know, probably about two years ago, but I haven't got around <laughs> to it yet. Um, and so, so it's just kind of it's. it's you know, I guess I'm just more relaxed about uh, about the instrument itself, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you, like, uh, just, we're going to get into, like, songs and, uh, and music and everything, can you just show us how it sounds, so that we can take, uh, so you can, uh, so the audience can know, like, yeah. sort of, like, how it sounds?
1: Yeah, so, uh, actually, it's kind of worth pointing out that the instrument is a piece of wood with some metal strings strung across it, and so... There's really between the strings and the soundboard. There's really nothing but the metal holding it on. Uh, so that's kind of you know unique to to the instrument. Whereas a guitar will have you know the neck, and so you're going to get you know half of the half of the sound waves are going to be. Uh, they they they'll travel through the neck and be be altered in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they get to the soundboard, and and a harp for example is the same thing where you have the the the,
2: the frame. neck of the
1: neck of the harp, you know mm-hmm. again the the sound the, the 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 sound waves travel through that before they get to the soundboard. So so you get the certain timbre of the guitar or the harp is influenced by a large chunk of wood that the sound is going through. But this there is it's, it. Nothing between the string and the and the soundboard, so you get a lot of like you know higher frequencies that are that are coming through that that aren't that don't end up dampening the wood somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you get like this really sort of bell-like quality, and uh, so yeah, the instrument is. And then to play the chords.
0: I see, and then you're changing the, um, like you're changing the pitch and uh, of the, the, the of the strings by basically touching on them, or yeah. That so
1: work? to play the chords, is kind of playing a piano inside out. So huh. if you if you kind of imagine playing the piano by pressing down the keys that you don't want to be in the chord, and then like pressing then sounding the the, the remaining keys that are free. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing here is I'm damping the the notes that are outside of the chord and then strumming the notes that are inside the chord. And then to play a melody then alongside that, then if the note is is if the melody note is in the chord, then you strum it, and if it's not in the chord, then you pluck it. So then you get some pretty quick phrases by the combination of, of strumming and plucking. So
2: uh-huh.
0: Right. And the, this would be like um, a, let's say, somewhat newer way of uh, of play, playing this, right? Like over the last, uh, uh, like, well, uh, know, a few hundred years or like, uh, uh, how no, old do you think this really. technique
1: is? Uh, no, bec- uh, I think that it would have been uh, fairly, uh, you know, produced fairly, uh, quite a while ago.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Especially because you have a 5-string and, you know, it would just be kind of conducive to doing that. There's only so many things that you can do with a 5-string uh, instrument. Right. So they would have figured this
0: out They would be pretty quickly, playing around. Right, right. Yeah. It's like you just need to get an instrument for like a week and you start yeah. like uh, playing, yeah. right?
1: And then, so like a 5-string, I mean, there's only so many different spots
0: that you can move your hands. So. And, oh, mm-hmm. And uh, and that because uh, you were mentioning about this um, uh, like poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so and it's uh, it's something that like you you've been like studying and uh, re- researching and like fascinated by. Uh, how did that start? Like, do you remember? Like uh, when it started? Like the like the specific mm-hmm. interest in this uh, in, in like the, the Finnish traditions.
1: Um, I guess, uh, I mean, going back to my time with Toronton uh like, I guess the gateway into all of this is this publication called the, the Kalavala, which was uh, published in the early 1800s as part of one guy's uh, doctoral thesis, I suppose, master's or doctoral thesis uh, at the university in Turku, Finland. Mm-hmm. So he. Uh, was one of the not D, but one of the first people to uh, to go out into the you know rural areas or whatever and, uh, and collect um, songs and poems from mm-hmm. from anyone that would talk to him. And uh, so yeah, he he uh, he published. Uh, he kind of curated a lot of this stuff to create a volume called The, uh, the Kalavala when basically uh, Finland gained or switched hands from being Swedish controlled to being Russian controlled and uh, so the Russians had this idea that they would uh, um, promote Finnish culture with the idea of, of removing uh, scandinavian culture mm. and so the you know the finnish university types said okay well mm. let's do that uh and then in doing so um they they created this this cultural idea that that there is that the finnish culture which they borrowed a lot from from neighboring Karelia, uh you know was valued and so therefore worth fighting for and therefore worth throwing uh the russians out <laughs> um so as part of that project they um the the kalavala was intended to be a an epic a, a, a huge epic volume that would rival you know homer or anything like that hmm. so in a sense, some of the, some of the, the culture, like some of the, um, the poetry was kind of modernized um, for that purpose to just Mm -hmm. to kind of create like an epic story. But a lot of it, a lot of the material in the Kalevala is, you know, from the, from the original source material. So, Mm -hmm. so that's the, the, the kind of gateway into then saying, okay, well, wow, guess what? There's like, you know,
2: volumes
1: uh libraries uh in finland full of full of this uh oh, wow. traditional material that's been collected and
2: uh
0: and how does it uh like how does it work is it like folk songs that people have been playing around for like who knows how long and uh and then basically i, get, I assume like a uh, like a research musicologist goes there and uh probably listens and records what they're doing and then they write it down or how does that work
1: yeah, and um, so the, what was happening in Finland? This was like quite early days in the whole ethnomusicological uh, you know, collection mm-hmm. idea. This is like early eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, people would just kind of go go around and and really, you know, go. Uh, in fact, uh, Elias Lundert, who is the, the author of the, the Kalevala or the com- compiler of the Kalevala. He has his, his, his journal is actually more interesting than the, the, huh. the Kalevala itself. Cause it, it talks about how he goes from, from farm to farm and, and says, okay, you know, there's this guy that, that knows something here. So he traveled over there and then like,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, again, this was uh, this, like this was before the ideas of, of say, you know, cultural appropriation were mm-hmm. were even discussed. This was this was done again with kind of nationalistic intent. Yeah. yeah. So so it you have to view it through that lens for uh-huh. sure.
0: That's yeah, interesting. It's um and the people that were like creating like this music, they were basically like um, agricultural societies. They were like farmers. They were like uh, pastoral. Um, like, what's the what's the background of the people there?
1: Yeah. So, uh, a lot of the the there's poems that are considered to have survived quite a long time that uh, that talk about um, hunting. And uh, so, and and they also mention you know things like bronze tools that they're using. Hmm. So it's, it's suspected that 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 you know thought that these would. I mean, why why would they why would anyone talk about bronze mm-hmm. tools if they weren't using them literally? Um. So yeah, that there's there's the hunter-gatherer uh, societies that would have had this, and then and and a lot of shepherds would have. Uh, would have used this stuff and then, and then pastoral hmm. uh, or, or agricul- agricultural. Cool. Um, a lot of like, there's a lot of subject matter. Like, for example, when you let your cattle out into the into the woods in the spring, then you 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 know would uh, kind of cast a spell. Uh, on the bears to kind of put them to sleep so that they they won't they won't bother your cattle for the summer that sort of thing. Huh.
0: So there is a little bit of a let's say practical use of the of the of the music in like in in day to day life.
1: Yeah, and I think that actually um, it, it was very practical in terms of like kind of like this wasn't. Uh, this was an oral culture. There was no written language. So things like you know, like brewing of beer or 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 you know whatever harvesting of of some some grain would have been preserved in song just because it just the same as we would google it today, you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah yeah for sure like it's one of those things that um um we think like today culture is changing like so much so fast but when you see those cultures that sometimes are even pre uh, like uh, they didn't have like a, a written tradition some uh, some things they they last for like uh, thousands of years like unchanged right it's um i was even reading about this uh, they found to fact check exactly where mm-hmm. but it was they found this um like a specific kind of like horn and there was like a specific kind of tradition that has been doing rituals with it's like a bull's horn for like 5000 years the same kind of uh, like tradition being kept so it's whenever you see cultures that were not um we're basically left alone for a while. Like, you can see how ancient certain uh, influences are, right? Like, even I think, like, um, uh, like the Coptic languages, like, it's related to ancient Egypt, and it's how we can today, like, uh, um, Like figure out how certain sounds in ancient Egyptian are. So I assume, like in uh, in the Finnic languages, it's uh, it's probably the same. Especially this uh, idea of like uh, the like bronze tools, right? Why would you be like this? Ancient echoes of different like stuff that is like very, 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 uh, very ancient. Uh, When you're talking about like the original instrument having uh, like five strings, Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to have the show be both for people that are like. Into world music, but also as sort of like as a portal for people to see that there are more than five instruments in the world. Then there are like all this different ways of interacting with music and culture. So, um, can you tell a little bit of like uh, how would like the sound system be? Would it be like five notes like uh, A B C D, or like uh, how how would that um, how would that how would that work?
1: Yeah, it's basically the first five notes of a scale now there's no agreement as to whether it was mostly major or mostly minor or mostly neutral but uh, I mean I think the the joke is that minor is the Finnish major so most Hmm. of the stuff would be in in the first five notes of minor but what's really interesting about having five notes is that there's a lot of harmonic uh, stuff that, that doesn't happen, you know, like our sort of jazzy two-five-one turnarounds. They that doesn't exist with only five notes. So therefore, the harmony that does happen is this kind of. It, it sounds pretty, uh, pretty. Uh, atmospheric to us just sort of like the the kind of more sus2 and sus4 kind of uh, uh, sound so you get like and uh so in fact the uh, composer Jean Sibelius who's you know probably one of the only people from Finland that people have heard of and musicians especially um, he was very influenced by by this you know different harmonic regime and so if you listen to Jean Sibelius with that understanding in mind then it makes a lot more sense.
0: So we're going to go back come back to to Finland but I know that you are very much interested in a lot of uh, instruments, right? And uh, I know you play bass, you play uh, tsembali, and you play a lot of uh, different uh, things. So can you talk a little bit about your interest in instruments from other cultures and how how you were working them into your music practice?
1: Yeah, I guess um, so for the longest time I was like, I would only play Finnish music and I felt like, oh, do I have any business playing Swedish music, for example? And then then the dance form called the Polska took over. And so I was like, oh, I guess I play Swedish music now. And then from there, then you'll find that your interest in, in music kind of broadens regionally. So, uh, yeah, and then when I became a full-time musician, then I ended up meeting a lot of people from, say, the Lemon Bucket Orchestra, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, really getting into into Ukrainian music from there, and and then you know, and of course Estonian music, and I met a woman from Latvia, so I got into that music, and then um, a few years ago, at folk camp, I had a woman from Lithuania, so I got into into that music. So you, you know you're, you're you're widen the
0: map,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, like you kind of Yeah, you it becomes familiar to you, I guess. Really. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so with that, of course, then along, uh, um, or what comes along with that is, is the instrument, uh, interest in the instruments that go well, along with that music. So a few years ago, I was, uh, I, I, someone lent me a, a cymbal that, uh, that, you know, I found kind of fairly easy to, to, get into just because i have a lot of i mean it's any any instrument where it's one string per note one note per string mm-hmm. it's kind of that's how my brain works now mm-hmm. and uh, so i got into that and then from there um another uh, someone else lent me a, a bandura and uh so uh, I guess I was talking before about wanting to build an 18-string instrument, uh, mm-hmm. contrabass. But the bandura actually, um, I guess one of the reasons that I haven't done that is because the bandura has satisfied that uh, <laughs> need to, to have a giant one string per note diatonic instrument that. Uh, mm-hmm. That does, and so the bandura is interesting because uh, it you know, you, you get a wider range, you get the basses and, and the the high trebles, and you can can do a lot of different techniques. Uh, but one thing you can't really do as much is is play these uh, strummed chords. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, the this is the instrument that I, I kind of play, accompanying myself with strummed chords at the same time as melody, and the bandera is where I'll go to if I just want to like, play a, a melody with you know
0: yeah so it, so in that case would be like uh your interest in all these uh, instruments came from this widened perspective of uh, what kinds of uh, musics that what kind of music that you were like being exposed to and uh, one of yeah. the cool things that happens like uh, here in toronto specifically is that mm-hmm. you have people from all over the world and you have very good musicians that uh, bring these uh, cultures and people usually share very freely things that are from whatever village in the corner of somewhere. Oh, here, there you go. That's how it's written. That's how it's sung. And so there is both uh, innovation in the the way people are doing things, but I find that most people are very interested in seeing, okay, but how did the people that were doing this for hundreds of years, how did they actually like... uh, like use that kind of music, and then you try to incorporate it to like, today's world in you know, a North American city, which is I find fascinating and endlessly fascinating, and which is yeah. sort of how I started this uh, this uh, this project. So for you, like when you are, so you started going to the, all these other uh, like uh, traditions, and how do you find them like different? than... Uh, I know it's sort of like a broad question, but we always go back to the, the stuff that is sort of like near to our hearts in the beginning. And then we sort of like compare it to that first girlfriend, <laughs> you know? So how do you uh, like, how do you compare like uh, the music as you went through this, uh, this journey? How were you coming back to like uh, music from Finland? Like uh, it's like, Oh, they do it this way or they, we do it that way.
1: Yeah. So the interesting thing about studying Finnish music is that uh, the, like, you know the last person to learn this tradition uh you know just simply by being exposed to it as a child rather than coming at it as like oh this is this thing called traditional finnish music uh died maybe three years ago or so like that. Mm-hmm. and uh, and so it's kind of considered you know that aspect of it is it's sort of a dead tradition um and you know, not to mention that, like all of the the wars and the, the the civil war, and then you know, a lot of the the music really stopped after that. Um, and uh, so basically, and, and also the the way it was collected, with you know, it, it wasn't really collected in the sense of like, oh, this is the exact mm-hmm. like. The exact subtlety of the tuning that they use, and this is the exact fingering, and this is the exact whatever mm-hmm. that, that 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 was used. Rather, this was like even in the eighteen hundreds, preserved like being field collected as if as if it was a dead tradition, and so it was sort of like to be to be sealed up in a museum mm-hmm. rather than to be shared and learned and and and, and preserved uh, or, like preserved as a living tradition. Mm-hmm. So, no matter who I've spoken to, I've been to Finland twice, and, uh, you know, basically, they'll say, well, we don't know how this stuff was performed. We don't know, like, you know, sort of when or why, for example. And uh, if, you know, and any, any if you cross-reference any, Collector's notes: uh, a, a, note, a song would have been sung, you know, for this reason by this river for this this time in this village. But then, completely different uh, in 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 a, village, a few villages over. So, there really isn't a sense of like, oh, this is like the exact, you know, like how it was done. This mm-hmm. is the way that it was done. So. There's a lot more of a sense, especially at the Sibelius Academy in Helsinki, like that that um, you you know you have this source material and you really kind of dig into it and make it your own, uh, rather than like thinking like oh I'm going to play this like as if I'm behind a glass case saying this is how it was done when it was field recorded in like, you know, Mm -hmm. 1905, but whatever. Uh, So, so there is a lot more freedom in that sense. Uh, Another, like, secondly, the uh, one thing we do know about the tradition is that it was very much improvised. um, Because if you have, like, you know, uh, a, a field collector will say, okay, well, here's the, the basic melody that they kind of started with. And then they sang the whole evening and it was very much improvised throughout because if you have like long story being told, then, you know, you're not going to use the same melody for a half an hour. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to, to improvise it just to you know, kind of keep yourself remembering things and, and keep yourself like... Mm -hmm. the the story of telling compelling I guess Uh, so because it's very improvised then then that that just becomes part of your approach to to any sort of traditional music anyway Uh, and then Mm -hmm. another factor, the third factor that uh, is important to how I approach uh, traditional music is this uh, concept of uh, heterophony where
0: um, heterophony
1: yeah, yeah, so so you know when you when you sing a lot of say Ukrainian music, you have polyphony where you have these specific, uh, not specific, but like uh, parts to a to a song that that kind of like there isn't really a me- a main melody to the song, but the, there's like three parts say that that go together to make the song kind of what it is, and that is. Not uh, or at least in Toronto that's not heavily improvised. And so uh, so in the in the like say Karelian tradition, you would have got, you know, a, a sort of basic melody that that really was, like everyone was just kind of improvising on that melody all at once, all the time, the whole song. Mm-hmm. So you you get interesting harmonies that that kind of come out. There is a little bit of a, you know, there there are some basic traditional guidelines to how to do that, but but uh, for the most part, you know, interesting mel- interesting harmonies are going to come out just as a product of one person happens mm-hmm. to be mel- to be improvising. Like this melody arc, and then the other person is improvising some other melody arc, and so the, the way they they happen to go together in that moment uh, is interesting, but it's not going to be the same the next the next phrase. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I kind of generally take that aesthetic of like you know, to me, folk music is very like or my feeling of folk music is is very improvised and very like very free and what uh i mean as long as you kind of dig in to the tradition and understand what 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 the idea is mm-hmm. then you can take sort of that the musical grammar and 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 improvise along with that mm-hmm. so uh I guess the the difference then in in even having that approach is that there's a lot of, of melodies that kind of get uh, passed aside uh, by by other um, musicians because it's just like oh well there's just this one little melody and this whole like page worth of, of text why would I sing this this is boring I'm not going to sing this whole melody but and then and then. I'll look at it and say no. This is probably this this heterophony idea where, like, as soon as you kind of approach it with that uh, attitude, then then the song that like, comes alive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the the school, in the like. Today, what what kind of um, um, are you going into different traditions besides uh, the ones that you mentioned? I know that you were very much into like Ukrainian music and uh, Polish, and, uh, uh, and you mentioned Lithuanian and uh, and and and, the, and a few others from from that region. Is there other things you're working on? I know you do. Um, I haven't seen you playing that, but I know that you do some Celtic music too. Like I uh,
1: Celtic music, yeah. Um... So yeah, as I mentioned, when I say flute, what I really mean is an arsenal of tin whistles. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a different, um, kind of almost feels like a, almost a different part of my life, really, that mm-hmm. uh, I'll play with uh, um, two bands. One is Old Man, Sinead, and Ghost. And then lately I've been getting a lot of work with this band called the Flailing Shillelies, and they're uh, mm-hmm. based out of more than you uh Aurora, market area. And uh, so, yeah, I play bass and tin whistle with those groups. And, uh, but it's, it's more, you know, pub type music that, uh, I mean, I don't know, I guess Irish, Irish music almost doesn't feel the in, in the same sense, like world music, because again because you grow up with it right yeah it's, yeah it's just always there in canada there's there's an irish bar on every corner and and
2: and you know you sort of
1: like a tune like black Bell band that you've heard since you were a kid
2: i guess yeah you know, so.
0: and the funny thing about irish music specifically that uh, i find fascinating is that even like As you know, like I was born in Brazil and Mm -hmm. I, my, I always find it that it's sort of like the gateway drug into uh, world music comes from the music of Ireland because even in Brazil, there's so many people doing, uh, like, uh, like, um, like, they're so interested in uh, specifically, like, Irish music and that specific, like, vibe. Uh, uh, and um, I'm not really sure, like, why. But even, I remember even li- listening to, like, 1997, like, Lorena McKennett. Like, in the, like, one of those, like, new age stores that were just starting to, to play. But nothing to do with Lorena McKennett, new age, but it just happened to be the case. And that was, like, for me, the first time I, I heard the Oud. Was actually in a song from her, and that was when she started with the like Irish Celtic traditions, and then she started getting into like more world music things. And that to me was literally the time. It's like oh, like there's all these other instruments and music, and the time signatures that uh, that we were not used in the in the popular thing. But it's uh, but it's it's cool that you were playing that. I haven't seen you playing that well yet.
1: Yeah, but, uh, and curious. I mean, of course the same you, you can if you want. You really dig into a lot of the, the, the old Gaelic uh, tunes and stuff. There's some really beautiful music to be done, and I, and I know some people that are that are doing that, but I don't know. I just haven't really been uh, mm-hmm. as as pulled to, I, I guess I don't really it's identify definitely. as much with the Gaelic. Although...
2: <laughs>
1: you, you do find you do find stuff just kind of seeps into your own work because you know anything you're exposed to is going to for sure come come reflect back it yeah uh, so yeah i mean
0: yeah that's that's the next topic so the like talking about all these influences and coming back to the musical feeling that's the other thing that i wanted to to ask you about one of the things we've like uh, we've been doing in, in the city for, for a long time, I guess around the world, uh, is this idea of fusing elements of different kinds of traditions together and actually creating uh, new music. And sometimes, at least the way that I see it, it's sort of like we not only create new music, but we rediscover certain things that probably people were doing anyway, right? It's like there is no, as you're saying, like behind the glass, like, oh, this is what we do, and the do miss people are traveling around and bringing their instruments and uh, there is a common humanity to all of music uh, like around the world. So what's your approach for like, uh, like fusion of music, which is basically all music is, uh, is fusion. If you go back like uh, enough, but like, what's your approach to that? Like of mixing elements of different traditions or how does that work?
1: I just find that every player is like, anything that they've been influenced by or exposed to is going to somehow come back out in their playing. So here in Toronto, everyone, like, I mean, there's there was at least, maybe not so much anymore, but there was a huge jazz scene in Toronto before all of the venues closed. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, yeah, anyone is going to probably play folk music with a little bit of a jazz aesthetic to it for example um and as i was saying like you know I've, I, like when you're singing different melismas from irish music from Karelian music from balkan music are just gonna eventually make their way into the way you sing anything i really think and uh and then you know Every aspect of music, different rhythms are going to throw themselves uh, into different songs mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, different instruments are going to, you know, like say, hey, well, what happens if you play this type of music on this instrument? Well,
2: that's mm-hmm.
1: works or it doesn't. Um, so fusion, yeah, I mean, I think that, well, I mean, I always have this interesting uh, Way of looking at it, where you know, if you look at the archives of Finnish music, like one of the tunes you'll find is "Soldier's Joy," right? As like mm. an, old, an old, I don't know, English or whatever, filled tune. So, like <laughs> that had to get there somewhere, and uh, and then mm. and then some collector said, "Oh, yes, this is very important Finnish traditional music." No, <laughs> So, so I mean, it's kind of yeah, as you as you say, fusion has always existed.
0: Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. I didn't uh, I didn't know about that one. It's funny, and um, so um, I want to ask you to one of the things as I mentioned at the beginning of the of the show. Like uh, sometimes we don't have time to um, when we're performing. We have I don't know, like an hour show, and you want to actually fill in with music. Sometimes we talk a little bit about the the music that you that we are talking, but we don't like talk about the instrument or like all the tradition and all the things that, that are involved in that specific culture. So for you, like, uh, it can be something that is either like something that has been on your mind lately, or it can be something that has been recurring or the fir- one of the first tunes you learned. But is there anything in the, like, a song, it, it could be on the Finnish tradition or Karelian tradition that... Like really speaks to you that you can show us sort of like how it sounds from a traditional point of view.
1: Sure, actually, yeah, I was talking about the uh, five-stringed kontral mm-hmm. and the um, the instrument was mostly, you know, noted in in Eastern Finland and Karelia, uh, but into the early twentieth century. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's quite likely that the instrument uh, was found all over Finland uh, historically, but uh, it was more just field collected in this one area, and then and then began to be more field collected in in the in the western part of Finland, mm-hmm. only really in the 20th century. Um, so there is one uh, one guy. Um, uh, I can't remember his name but he was from Hobvesi and uh, so he played basically the music of of we- of Western Finland which would have been like polkas that came from Sweden for example uh, but he played it on the five string continent mm. and so this is another you know example of, of the fusion that that mm. just kind of happens naturally so um yeah I could play you one of his Polskas that uh cool. That it, I mean, you know, anyone that is familiar with the Polska tradition is going to think of it more as a nickel harper or a, a fiddle tradition, but he kind of made it a cantola tradition, or mm-hmm. started, started playing those tunes at, on the cantile, and so here's, a, here's one of those. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to play it. It's major. I'm glad. Okay, I'm going to play it up here. Ah.
0: And um, and then so this uh, one actually interesting uh, more so you basically you can switch from uh, like major to minor in that uh, with those little levers or how do yeah. so you know that? yeah these are the
1: so with my instrument I have like harp levers that would have been made for harp but it's basically just kind of adding a fret one to each string. Um, traditionally, this would have been done if at all with. Uh, by just kind of inserting a wood block underneath the string, just to to, mm-hmm. to, to change the,
0: the pitch. Yeah, and that's actually something I forgot to ask you. Like right now, you said you're using uh, piano strings with this uh, this instrument. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, what it would I assume, like with all traditional instruments, would be like gut strings or something like that. Or what would they be using? Um, you know,
1: they uh, so the literature says that they might have originally used uh, horse hmm which is Pretty interesting. Um, and then what is, yeah, yeah, like the the, gut, and then uh, but then copper and bronze string would have been uh, Uh also used. Uh, And there's some um, there's a researcher, Ardiopaston, who's doing some really interesting work with uh, copper and bronze strings.
2: Mm -hmm. Cool. And Hmm. uh,
1: yeah, and then yeah, so I mean steel. I mean. It's steel strings would have come around
0: and steel at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting about the the horse hair because I think the the rababa that is that mm-hmm. um, Bedouin instrument, like a like a fiddle, yeah. they are using like horse. Yeah. Hair.
1: And uh, we haven't even really talked about yogic, which is the the mm-hmm. same
0: idea where it's it's, it's horse. Right? Arms. Yeah, I think um, can we get that one so we can show. We can get this one so we should. yeah. Cool, awesome. Yeah, yeah, so let's do it. So we'll be right back. Well, uh, okay, so we are back with a um, new member of the family. Can you talk a little bit about uh, this instrument?
1: Yeah, so this is a uh, Yohiko, or uh, often called Yohikantala. Um, I don't know exactly why the two instruments are deemed to be in the same cantala family. <laughs> uh but yeah um so the the yohi refers to the horsehair strings these are actually fishing line but don't tell anybody <laughs> um yeah the uh this is probably a medieval or so instrument um the, there's one uh fellow from Finland that really revived this instrument um uh, and he made this instrument as well um. Uh, what was I going to say about it? That, uh,
0: yeah. So it's um. So it's also um. Like a um. A, like a Finnick instrument, and uh, I assume like originally they would use like horse hair on the on the three strings.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so interestingly, horsehair against horse hair. So it's uh, the if you listen to some of the old field recordings, they're like quite obnoxious in there. <laughs> hissing this this, uh, the the fishing line stands up much better
0: yeah but it's it's interesting that uh uh, because like my interest uh, like started with the like arabic world and one of the things that they have is uh it's the the rababa that i that i mentioned and it's basically sometimes it's one or two strings you have one in c one in d and then they they just, like, pay end, it's horsehair against horsehair, right? So it's um it's interesting to see that they do. But the the, the different um, way of playing this is that yeah. you don't, you are not, like, actually pressing the strings against right. the fingerboard, right? So can you talk a little bit about how you play this? Because it's yeah. very different than... Uh,
3: so, in fact, uh,
1: traditionally, I don't really play like this as much, but uh, traditionally, you would have used the back, the, 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 the really bony part of your finger. Mm-hmm. So... The middle string, this instrument is in the key of D, so the middle string is a low A, and then the far string is the tonic D, so that makes a nice. And then the the string that you fret uh, that you play with, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, play with mm-hmm. is um is actually an E. So you've got D E, and then traditionally you would have used the this part of your, the bony part of your finger. To, uh, to play the, the scale. Mm. And interestingly, of course, the same the same idea where you'll have generally five note melodies. Um, mm-hmm. but now, as a more modern player, um, I would stick my finger in between these two strings so that I can play with the more fleshy part of my finger, the, the quote unquote melody string. And then with the, the the back of my finger you uh, play on the drone string to, to get notes lower mm-hmm. notes. And so you generally would play two strings at once and traditionally play like always have your bow against the mm-hmm. the string. So I'll just play a tune for an example. Perfect.
0: School, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, uh-huh. we need to get this guy at some gig or something to play. It's very, yeah, yeah, it's really, uh, yeah very cool. I really
1: enjoy playing. In fact, uh, well, I've I had, um, I guess this will probably hold another topic, but uh, mm. um, Go ahead. Uh, I played a show at uh, Drone Taberna a couple of weeks ago with a woman from Finland, Amanda Carona, and uh, um, I, I played this for a couple of tunes, but. Being still, you know, very cold. This this cold spring that we've been having been having, the uh, the drone string fell out of tune, and hmm. so we played two songs. And by the end of the second song, I
0: finally had it more or less in tune. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I,
0: I was not there for that show, but uh, like that, that sounds like a regular fiddle string. Well, <laughs>
1: Amanda was just kind of like totally, it fell off her back because she was like, yep, that's that's the only go for you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Shout out to Amanda, Shout out to um, Drone Taverna, very cool world music uh, venue here in Toronto. If you are coming to Toronto and you want to watch world music stuff, you are not being us for that, but it's really cool venue. Yeah, you guys should check it out. Um, cool. Yeah, thank you for for showing uh, this one. It was it's always in uh, in my mind to see what what can be done with uh, yeah with this. It's it's the... it's, it's a very very cool yeah. instrument.
1: I mean, you can play actually up to the, the octave with the, with this big um, handhold that you got.
0: Mm, so okay. Yeah,
1: there's a lot more can be done with it.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you can probably play some, like, quarter notes and whatever thing you can. Or at least can, do it. I mean, can you do vibrato on this thing? Um, yeah, and actually,
1: so, I'll, I'll, hmm? I, I noticed that most people would... do like that. Right. Uh-huh. I kind of, like... I don't know, I mean i your way yeah. my mm-hmm. way is to to, <laughs> to to just kind of stretch the string.
0: Oh that's cool. All right. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that sounds like I'm kind of know. No, that's cool. Alright, so um we're gonna finish off with uh again Thank you so much for spending the the time with uh, with me. We've been hiding our beers around, so uh, we look very very professional. But uh, no, again, we really, really thank you. I really like the way you, like how you play, I like your approach to music. It's it's some of the best ways of uh, like trying to be curious, incorporate new things, and uh, be hmm. uh, open to everything. Yeah. So, like, I mean, my, I, uh, I
1: like to straddle that line between respecting the tradition and also owning a
0: living tradition right yeah that's that's actually the, the the point i think like uh the whole thing you always want to see how people have been doing things for like like hundreds thousands of years but at the same time like i can't remember i i wish i could give attribution to the person that told me this that they said that the only thing pure is the mixture And uh, I can't remember who told me that. Whenever I remember, I will give proper credit. (laughs) But uh, I wish I could have uh, like said it was my idea, but it wasn't. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, like even when I see, like I'm sure some person somewhere traveled with the idea of "Hmm, let's use horse hair and. Make a string instrument, and yeah. that became a part of a bunch of instruments and bunch of traditions, which we'll be exploring in the in this show. But uh, I again, I'm really, really um, thankful to to you. too. we started this. There was light outside, and uh, now mm-hmm. there isn't, yeah. and we're like, it's basically so a you conversation. Can't,
1: you can't edit it. It's just. <laughs>
0: Basically, what you see is what you get. And um, um, for the audience uh, that is watching us, um, uh, I'm sorry I've been a bad host so far because it's my first time doing like a live video interview. I've been used to, I'm used to audio interviews, which you can cut and and, uh, take things out. But uh, all of this will be uh, somewhat unedited, just um, and but but anyway. And when pe- if people want to take a look at your work, where should they go?
1: Uh, well, my um, I mean, I'm searchable on YouTube. I have I I try to recently in the past couple of years I've been trying to post to YouTube once a month at
0: least. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and. Uh, We'll put links on the on, on the description mm-hmm. of this show. And uh, your website is?
1: It's polononmusic.com, but it, oh, it, I sure haven't updated that.
0: Okay, so there you go. So you have about a week to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, one thing we should talk about. We're going to finish off with uh, you showing one of your uh, compositions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which sort of like... Um, bring a lot of the things that we we're talking about together. But one thing we should talk about, which I think would be interesting for people to, to know is that how, One thing that you've done, like you created this instrument, right? And I will put probably as we're speaking right now, I'll probably put just some video footage of uh, something we did a couple of weeks ago, I guess, that uh, of a different project that involves strings and involves wood, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think you took to, it's another part of Finnic traditions that you took to the uh, sort of like uh, I would say to the ultimate extreme of what can be done with that, as you're saying, like it's one thing when you have <coughs> the wood on a guitar and how the, how it will sound with the soundboard and the, all the different shapes and all those things, and then when you have an instrument like this, that it's basically the sound, the relationship, it's like a one to one between the strings and the wood, and then as part of fitting traditions and something that you've done that I thought was so interesting was this idea of getting the strings literally attached to not a piece of wood, but a living living tree and that you're creating music in that context. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, project? I'll put a video so that people can see what it is, but uh, I think it would be interesting for people to see where that comes from and what your relationship to that is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's really a finick to mm, okay. say, mm. uh, but yeah, when I was uh, when I was first designing the uh, the that I ended up building, I, I I don't even really know where the idea came from, but I was living actually in uh, over the Don Valley, mm-hmm. and so so I would always. Uh, go down into the Don Valley just you know on walks or whatever and uh, and then so I got this idea to uh, to string up a hollow tree uh, mm. as if it were a contola. Um, I've since started calling it tree harp uh, <laughs> but yeah, so this project um, basically just the idea of getting into into nature and just kind of uh, you know, bringing the music there, where, uh, I mean, ultimately I would, I would love to, uh, to have a project where I am able to make a bunch of different instruments in some location, which I haven't, I found one, maybe promising one so far that where you have a bunch of actually, it's so, uh, the, um, you'd have dead trees, um, <clears throat> because the, the 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 dead trees would resonate better and be hollow uh and just kind of string up you know using hand tools and so it basically be similar to just kind of taking a hand drill and just kind of installing a bunch of, of these pegs and and stringing them up uh, according to according to the shape of the tree and according to the 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 trees you know uh, physical limitations really yeah um, there's two ways you can do it you can uh, you can string a tree like if you have a hollow tree you can string uh, across the, the hollow void and, uh, and have a resonating uh, instrument like that or uh, you can you can string probably down uh, the the trunk of a dead tree it doesn't have to be quite as hollow, and then you can then take a bow and uh, and, and uh-huh. kind of wrap your wrap your hand, uh, hand around the tree and, and play it like this.
0: Oh, interesting. Huh.
1: Uh, so I, I, I've done a little bit of experimentation with that as well. Um, yeah, so it'd be really amazing to just have some location that can support a bunch of different instruments that are close enough together where you could actually play a show.
0: Mm-hmm. Where the forest sings, in a way. <laughs> yeah,
1: literally, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting. So, yeah, I I did this uh, at folk camp shortly after kind of my experiments in the Don Valley, which still exists, and I should probably
0: check it
2: out,
1: (laughs) make sure that nobody's been injured.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: um, Yeah, so I did that at at folk camp. And then, um, so some, I can't even remember, are couldn't tell you who it was, but somebody took a video of this, and then more recently, like this video has gone viral online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to the tune of like two million views, which is kind
0: of quite a, something, astounding yeah. to me, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, uh, yeah, that's a, it's kind of an, an interesting, like, really. My interest is especially with like you know monofilament, as in non not wound strings. I want to push their limits. I want to, um, like I have the calculations, but there's this vague area as to what is the shortest string that you can use to have a clear tone. Hmm. So, when I designed this instrument this string is pretty much at the lower limit of, of of how long a string needs to be before it starts sounding kind of muddy because basically mm-hmm. the wave equation only applies when the amplitude of the vibration is negligible compared to the length of the string.
2: Mm, okay. And
1: so, you know, it, obviously if you t- detune a guitar and you get that twang, mm-hmm. that's because the now the wave equation has failed. The amplitude is pulling all of the... the like basically adding adding a new factor into the into the calculation and so it's not giving you like it's there, there isn't the direct relationship anymore between like you know ninth tension equals pitch kind of thing mm-hmm. uh so but i mean obviously wound strings were invented pretty quickly um when people started making modern instruments but uh, so there hasn't been a lot of of, of work done in in what happens when you take a, str- a monofilament string to its, like, extreme. So, hmm. Uh,
0: that will depend on the material, I assume, too, right? It,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, not, well, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Because yeah. of how it will travel on the material itself, right? And um, how it bends and uh, the yeah, weight but, but and but all not but not as much. Not, not as much? Not. Okay. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean the the equation. Is, well, yes, yeah, actually, no. the the, the density of the, yeah. of the of the of the material is part of the equation. Yes, but then, so when you know what I mean, basically, you are going to probably use steel string for, for larger projects. So, one thing that I have done uh, in the past is, uh, especially with Day of Delight, um, I designed this larger kind of what I still call a tree harp, but it's like basically like a a, a mostly plywood um, harp that, that is basically attached to a tree. And the original idea was to attach it to a hollow tree and try to use the resonance of that. But unfortunately in urban setting, there are no hollow trees because Mm -hmm. they're too dangerous. Uh, Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, my, my, like, I want to sort of, uh, um uh, like uh really what's the word just kind of finesse the calculation to 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 really say you know when I'm de- designing an instrument to like really know what the minimum lengths are mm-hmm. um to 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 well, optimize oh, yeah, yeah. this so huh. so um, that's where the, the 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 larger my interest in larger tree based mm-hmm. instruments comes.
0: Uh huh. Interesting. So it's sort of like you want to really take to the to the limit what can what those kinds of strings can can do. That's cool. And where did you learn, uh, like the let's say the math part of it? Was it your own interest? Was it from your like your education? Or how how did that go? Education helps.
1: I have a geology degree.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and All so, right. You know, I mean, the equation for hmm. an earthquake traveling around the world is not too dissimilar from, to waves traveling through. A steel mm-hmm. string, but uh, yeah. Uh, so as I said, I moved to Toronto, you know, ten years ago, and was an environmental consultant. And yeah. then, um, During the recession, um, we were getting less work, and so I was kind of sitting at a desk with TurboCAD and and you know any math program, saying use me to design a candela.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah? That's so cool. Well, you see, like, we've been, uh, like, playing together for, like, like a, a little while, and I didn't know you had the the green jungle. It's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that, yeah, like, I'm fascinated about this uh, relationship of... Uh, like whenever there's like art and science and they think music is the music is the thing so for that but uh.
1: yeah especially when it comes to like like the the science and art of you know like when you look at a harp like people don't really like it's like a harp's a harp right but i mean man that the the shape of the harp is physics right it's
0: that's a graph Mm -hmm. it's beautiful yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's uh, it's the yeah, it's like preaching to the choir, brother. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that's I think that's one of those. Uh, well, that's a, it's a great uh, uh, way to finish uh, the conversation part of this and um, yeah, like this relationship of different cultures, art and science. I'm very happy that in the like, beginning of night here in Toronto today, we are um, have this first episode with you. I'm very happy that, uh, that we've done this. So uh, now we're going to show us, uh, we're going to take a little break, but then you're going to show us uh, one of your compositions, right? Okay, so um, to finish off, uh, we're going to play one of your uh, compositions that uh, is um, like inspired by all the things that we've been we've been talking about. So, can you tell us a little bit of uh, about the song that you're going to play for us? Yeah. So, this song um,
1: is sort of the ultimate uh, the ultimate fusion of everything that is important to me
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, dance and meditation and uh, and multidisciplinary art really Uh, so the song was originally written as a guided meditation um, and then evolved into a mazurka which is a dance form that's common to all of Europe but uh, you know my interest in it specifically comes from its prevalence in uh, in Western Finnish uh, sort of recent tradition Um, and then, but interestingly enough, of course, it uh, it has slowed down because of my interest in more uh, Western European mazurkas. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear the melody is kind of has has elements of of the you know Scandinavian or Finnic uh, mazurkas, but is in the style of French mazurka. Um, yeah, and then you know eventually it became part of a shadow puppet show because it has, you know, a lot of really good visuals. And then it became part of a jazz Vespers because it is a cool tune, I think, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, yeah, and then it became, yeah, I, I played it recently for an actual uh, Easter Sunday service at, uh, ch- at church recently. Uh, and so what I really like about this tune is that it it uh, really fits so many situations because it is about how we should be living and meditating and, hmm. and you know, approaching life.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to finish off the, the show uh, with that. Again, Maddie, thank you for... Being in the yeah, the DNA of music show and uh, I'm uh, really glad to, that we got to, to chat and I learned some stuff I didn't know about you, which is uh, very cool okay so with that let's uh, check out your song.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Let the cedar touch the sky It reaches out to the realm on high Not knowing if you wonder why So let the cedar touch the sky Let the river reach the sea For it alone seeks its destiny It flows along eternally So let the river reach the So quench your lamp and walk along Let the fire burn inside To show and all else is cast aside The space in souls response sparks reside So let the fire burn inside
0: So that's it for today's show Thank you for listening to The Wanderings Podcast. You can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com slash podcast. If you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at pedrobonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for the Wanderings podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity, and I'm looking forward to our next Wanderings together.